Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in, and the haunt is on. Chapter 27 Denny watched as the twitchy form of his wife bent over and grabbed hold of both Pamela and Aaron, fistfuls of each woman's hair in her hands. Screaming, they tugged at Kate's arms and kicked at her unyielding form before being slammed together like a pair of dusty boots. Both women stopped struggling. There was movement all around. In the thickening night, Denny could see that most everyone was fleeing. There were footsteps dashing up the wooden stairs, and wailing as others heaved themselves over the fence. Alex, the tech guy, who drug him out of the basement, was running around the pool toward Kate. She hurled one of the sisters at the man, and the two crumpled in a pile near the pool's metal railing. Then, Denny was being pushed. He collided with Megan, and both allowed Terry to maneuver their bodies around the house toward the stairs. Kyle attempted to stop them, but was transfixed by the scene unfolding. He walked backward, following them, his eyes still locked onto Kate, who had begun advancing toward them. She brought a heel down onto the face of Alex, who was trying to get up, then kicked his body into the pool. Then she did the same to the sister he'd collided with. Besides the rippling of the water jouncing their bodies, neither moved again. Even in the chaos, Denny could see that the snake around Kyle's neck had deflated. No, the snake was gone, leaving only the brittle skin hanging like a corded tassel. Denny's heels hit the stairs and he fell back, taking Megan down with him. The pair crawled backward and up. Behind them, Terry had reached the top and went inside the house, and he left the door open because in a flash, both Echo and Roxy shot down the staircase weaving between Denny, Megan, and Kyle. They surrounded Kate and launched into a volley of growls and vicious, shrill barks. This was a far cry from the protective attitude they'd had just a day before. Now, their dogs seemed primed to tear their master apart, although they didn't get close, as if sensing that whatever was now housed inside Kate was stronger than either of them, of anyone. Their frenetic howling did succeed in rousing the lone sister Kate still had in her grip. The woman began screaming, beating at Kate's arm, who in turn raised the squirming woman up off the ground. The little effort made Denny's wife appear like a farmer, simply plucking a wild rabbit up from a garden bed by the scruff behind its ears. The sister's yowling was cut off. Her neck snapped with a shake and flick of Kate's wrist. Something else snapped in the same instant. Suddenly, Kyle's knees wobbled, and he crumbled, screaming as if he'd just been woken from a vivid, overpowering nightmare. Whatever connection had been made was severed. He clutched at his throat, pulled the snakeskin away in pieces, then pawed at himself, like he were checking that all of him was still accounted for. Then he turned to Denny and Megan, eyes darting back and forth with a look of, What is this? Who am I? Where's my mom? On his feet again, Denny grabbed both Kyle and Megan's hands and yanked them up the stairs. Soon they were on the landing. Below them, exiting the pool area, Kate shuffled forward. In no hurry, the woman's limp body still clutched in one hand, 
and dragging on the concrete like a sleepy child with a stuffed animal trailing behind. This sight made even the dogs go silent. Then, any subtlety in her movement ceased. Kate tossed away her last victim and rushed after the group. They were able to get inside and shoved the sliding glass door closed behind them before Kate made it up the stairs. What the fuck is going on, Kyle whined, while grabbing onto both Megan and the nearest wall. No one had a chance to respond, even if they could fathom something to say, as Kate was in front of them again. She placed two damp palms on the glass, and her sneer was enough that Denny thought his bowels might let go. Kate tapped her fingers on the glass, a rhythmic tattoo from the nails on each forefinger. This was the woman Denny had married, had misquoted song lyrics to on a beach in Florida, the woman he'd spent 12-hour days studying with, preparing for exams, who he'd escaped from a one-percenter biker bar in Cheyenne, Wyoming with, who he'd shared joy, grief, and sweaty sheets with. This was the woman who'd changed his life, who made it seem like there was something to live for. And now she was a hideous monster. No, that wasn't true. This wasn't Kate. Sure, the flesh and bone might be, but someone or something else was behind the wheel. Then, the Kate thing reared back and smashed her face into the glass. They could hear an audible crunch through the double pane. Blood and mucus trickled over and down her crushed nose and still smiling lips. To Denny's left, Megan had raised the gun again, aiming it at the snarling face. Everyone inside flinched as the face was drawn back, then pushed forward into the door again, this time shattering the glass. Shards exploded across the floor and sliced through Kate's cheeks and arms. This fresh blood, mingled with that from her broken nose, was darkening her already red dress. And then she was pulling herself inside, crawling, fragments and splinters of glass crackling beneath her bare feet. Kate, stop, Megan said as the gap between them closed. Please! In a flash, Kate had gripped the muzzle and knelt, more shards popping, crunching under her kneecaps. Holding the barrel against her bloodied forehead, Kate growled, I don't think you have it in you. That's always the case. Friends are there for you until you really need them. Then what? They can't even pull the trigger. I, I can't, Megan began. Then her words were lost in sobbing. Of course not, Kate seethed. Kate was standing upright again, and in a single, fluid motion, she backhanded Kyle, then drove her fist into Denny's chest. Both men went spiraling in separate directions. Kyle came to rest near the fireplace, out cold, while Denny slid against the adjacent wall. He struggled to get air back in his lungs again. Kate yanked the gun out of Megan's hand and tossed it behind her, out onto the porch. Then her hands wrapped around Megan's throat and Kate lifted her best friend off the ground. This was the best part, watching life slowly trickle away. The entity had no idea how many people it had returned to dust, or how many souls were stamped out by the hands of the bodies it was controlling, but the sensation never lost its power. There was the struggle, the panic in their eyes, followed by slight resignation, a sleepiness as the body's internal processes and organs began shutting down, going offline, one by one. Then, in the instant before death, there was the solace of acceptance, a reprieve where the pupils dilate fully, as if taking in everything they can before the endless black 
Megan, squirming in Kate's tightening grip, was still in the panic phase, struggling as if there were still a way to save herself. God, this is ecstasy, the entity thought. Pure pleasure, and though the being couldn't truly experience this itself, the woman's body being controlled might soon feel the shuddering spasms of orgasmic release. But before reaching this climax, a schism formed. Small at first, then widening. The entity could feel something spreading within itself, within the body it had infested. It was a new sensation, something it had never felt before. A warmth. It felt as if it were growing, doubling, coursing through the veins and arteries of its host. At the same time, this warmth seemed to be eroding some of the being's strength. There was a quiver in the locked grip around the wriggling woman's neck. Then the lips were moving, even though the entity wasn't making them speak. Megan, the host body said, fight it. Fight me. The grip was loosened further, and the victim's hands yanked at Kate's fingers, separating them fully. The gasping woman fell to the floor, then crawled out of reach. The entity watched as the pathetic thing huddled next to her boyfriend. Get out of here. Go, before... No! The entity roared. What was happening? How could the host be fighting for control? Everyone, every single human the entity had infected, their will, their power, it was all stuffed down, locked in an ethereal cage until the physical body was either ripped apart or the being chose to leave on its own. This was something new, something unexpected, and the entity raged against the helpless feeling. I won't let you take them. Kate's voice was coming through again, between agonized howls, like a radio fading in and out of two different stations. Her hand rose, began battering her already swollen face. The others watched from the floor, frozen in awe of Kate's body jerking itself back and forth as if unseen hands were tugging in multiple directions. She fell to her knees, then stood again, the voice changing, mutating, seething, then soothing. You can take me, Kate said. Finally, the entity stopped swinging the woman's arms and let them fall to her sides, then allowed the body to slump against the glass door panel that was still intact. But you'll never have them. The entity inside her was feeling the same panic it had relished in the eyes of innumerable victims. Humans were fallible, susceptible to their own emotions. The entity, however, was driven only to cause pain and suffering, and had always done so without so much as a sliver of a resistance. Until now. How are you doing this? The entity bellowed through Kate's ragged voice. And then, as suddenly as the panic had swelled within... The answer became clear. Every other body was concerned only with survival. Their own. From their ghostly cage deep inside, they raged against the entity to spare their flesh, to spare them from the grave. They only wanted to live out their insignificant existence. But this woman, this woman was different. The entity could feel that now. It had made a mistake. She had been under the spell of those foolish cult people with their elementary magic spells, but when she allowed herself to be dunked under the water, she wasn't taking on the entity for any sort of power or elevated consciousness. No forbidden knowledge. 
She was doing so to protect those around her. She was, whether she knew it or not, draping herself over the explosion before it could take away the ones she loved. The entity felt wounded, deceived, and slammed the woman's hand down onto the splintered glass again. She searched the room, staring at the pitiful creatures this woman cared so much for. Then she shut her eyes and roared again into bloody palms. Kate heard shuffling through the glass-littered floor and felt new wetness on her arm, though not from a fresh wound, but from a pair of tongues. She pulled her shaking hands away to see that Roxy and Echo were licking her arm, not like they were tending to her injuries, but as if they were relieved to have their master back, to have Kate Coleman back. Denny, Kyle, and Megan were all crouched around her, and they too could see what the Labradors did. Without speaking, the group fell onto each other, shaking in unison. In the same instant, the presence in the house, the wedge driven between them, what had torn them all apart, blinked away, seeming to fade into the night sky, like smoke, already searching, hungry, trying to find the next huddled congregation whose belief would make them flesh once more. Epilogue Red and blue beams coated the brick facade of the Coleman home, their intermittent circling making the house at the corner of Muldoon and Bradbury appear to be cast beneath a strobe light. After getting the call from Megan, Denny's mother Joan really had called in the cavalry, with fire trucks and police cruisers and ambulances lining the intersection. She and Barry walked away from a group of officers after hearing what they needed to. Terry, the grieving husband, was now relating how his wife, Sharon, had attacked and killed some of their close friends, and he had acted in self-defense when turning the shotgun on her. The brief initial statements of Denny, Kate, and their friends helped to solidify this foundation. Joan and Barry then joined Kyle and Megan at the back of one ambulance, positioned with Roxy and Echo at their feet like guards. Inside the vehicle, Kate lay on a stretcher, her face, hands, and various other parts of her body already bandaged. Denny crouched next to her, listening to the medic asking about allergies or other disclosures. Anything else we should know before we get on the road? There is one thing, Kate said. I'm pregnant. Joan gasped, then held onto Barry's arm. Megan whispered, I knew it, while Kyle gave Denny a light slap on the back. Denny stared at his wife not understanding how he could be even more shocked, especially after everything that had transpired. Then he fell onto her and hugged her, and Kate's smile was interrupted only by a slight wince. There were congratulations and hugs, squeezed hands, before the others dispersed, heading for their cars, so they could follow the ambulance to the hospital. Think you're ready for it? Kate asked Denny. As long as we don't raise him in the suburbs, Denny said. Dennis Coleman Jr., it has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? The technician insisted Denny sit back and strap in. How do you know it's going to be a boy? Kate giggled. Then just before the ambulance driver closed the doors, she said, I like the name Lilith. The last episode of this first story on The Ghost Modernist 
was presented by Dr. Scarelove, with music provided throughout by Atrium Carcheri. Links can be found in the show notes. Although this story has come to an end, a new story will begin in 2021. Follow me on Instagram at theghostmodernist for more details and updates, and maybe a few clues. And please rate and review on wherever you find your podcasts. That's it for this story. Remember, there are two types of people in the world, the haunters and the haunted. Which one are you?